Well, if you have your Bibles with you, we are going to launch from a text found in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14. Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14. And the title of my sermon today is The Kingdom Path. The Kingdom Path. Walking on the less journeyed path of the kingdom. Matthew 7, 13. Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate, and narrow the path that leads to life, and only a few find it. Here in this passage, we have a contrast between a great broad road that many people are traveling on, and a small, almost like a footpath, a narrow footpath, that only a few find and walk on. But one, the broad, leads to a destructive life, and the other, the small and the, the thin and the narrow way, that brings a productive experience of kingdom life. And I want to talk about that kingdom path today. I was walking quite a few paths earlier in this summer when I had a hiking holiday, well, walking holiday, in uh, the Bavarian Alps in Germany. And uh, there I am, uh, hiking, walking. And you might not... Okay, sorry. You you might not know this, but uh, my father is a retired geography senior lecturer from Leeds University. And that meant that in my house... Uh, I was brought up not with uh, pictures of the family on the walls, but maps. We have maps, ancient maps, new maps, maps everywhere, my father being a geographer, lecturer. And uh, I love maps too, except I can't read them. I don't know if it's because I'm slightly dyslexic, but I, I, but I still love them. So I was studying the, this map I got of the region that we were going to, to find some new paths and some new places for us to walk when I went there with my family. When we got there, however, um, it it was a bit of a disaster to begin with because I was getting paths mixed up with roads and uh, I was was getting the scale wrong and I thought that we were further down a path than we were and I took routes that were wrong until it got to be a little bit of a joke with my wife and my son who were were with me. And uh, the problem was, was, was the map was too broad. And so on one occasion, what I thought was a lovely path through a valley was actually a motorway, or nearest motorway. And my wife said if I wanted to go hiking on the M25, I could have stayed where I was. And so what I decided to do, I wasn't going to be beaten, I went to the local bookshop and I got the best in detail uh, high resolution map that they had on the area. Once I got that, I could see clearly all the different kinds of paths, exactly what to do, where we were, where to travel, how along the road we were, and, um, and it was great. Everything changed. Well, when we speak about paths, this is what Jesus was speaking there in the Sermon on the Mount, talking about journeying, that life is a journey. The book I'm reading at the moment for my uh, own personal devotion is um, The Journey by Billy Graham. Some are saying it's the best book that he's, he's, ever, he's ever written. And uh, he speaks about the fact that human life is a journey. Uh, you don't have a choice when you start your journey. 
You don't have a choice where you're born or where you start your journey and to whom you're born to. And you don't have a choice when your journey will finish the day and hour of your death. But from the moment of the beginning of your journey to the end of your journey here on planet Earth, you have a choice of the paths that you are going to walk in your life. It is a journey. I'm just going to read a section from Billy Graham's book on the journey in his chapter, Welcome to the Journey, to highlight this. He says this, there is, however, a final truth we need to understand about life's journey. Not only has God put us on our journey, not only does he want to join us on our journey, but God calls us to a new journey. To put it another way, God calls us to take a new path, the path of faith and trust in him. Imagine you were hiking in the woods one day, planning to go somewhere you'd never been before. And after an hour or two, you came to a fork in the road. Now, instead of having only one path that you could follow, you had two. But which was the right path? Both obviously led somewhere, but where? Which would get you to your destination? On closer inspection, you saw that one path appeared much wider and easier to travel and was apparently used by more people. You attempted to take it. After all, if most people travelled it, you reasoned, it must go the right way. But then suppose another hiker approached. What would you do? The logical thing would be to ask him if he knew which path you ought to take to reach your destination. Without hesitation, he urges you to take the second path, even if it is narrower and less travelled. Only it, he says, will take you to your destination. Are you sure, you ask him somewhat doubtfully? Certainly, he replies, because I made the path. In fact, I'm headed that way myself, and I'll walk with you so you won't get lost. Which path would you choose? You probably wouldn't even hesitate. You would choose the second one. You still would be on a journey, but now you'd be on a different path, the right path. This is what God urges us to do, to choose a new path, a different path from the one we've been on. This path is one he has laid out for us and he assures us that it alone leads to life. Our journey will continue, but now we'll be on the right path, even if most people don't take it. Jesus put it this way, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. A broad road and a narrow road. The broad road is a road that most people travel. It's so broad, it doesn't matter what religion you follow, what man-made religion, what man-made philosophy you follow, it doesn't matter what you believe, there's room for you on the broad road. It doesn't matter what your morality is, what you think's right or wrong, and how you approach sexual morality, morality in business, it doesn't matter which of those things that you follow, there's room for you on the broad road. It's broad enough for the whole array of morality, all different man-made religions and none, that it's broad enough to carry you. And that's what most people go on. 
But the kingdom path is a different path. It's a narrow path. It's a path that is travelled on by few. We even find that you would expect that Christians would obviously and necessarily travel on the narrow path, the kingdom path. But sometimes we find that Christians wander from the kingdom path that God has set them and find themselves, even though still Christians, find themselves wandering back to the broad road where everybody else is travelling, which leads to destructive lifestyle and to destruction. So what is this kingdom path? That's what I want to discuss with you today. And I want to lay out from you for you some mileposts on your journey of the kingdom path. You know, you need, you need to know that you're on the right path, as I found in Bavaria. But also you need to know how well and how far you are traveling down the path that is taking you to your destination. I want to share with you today that the kingdom path, one of the best expressions of what the kingdom path is, is found in the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount is the greatest sermon that was ever preached, and it was preached by Jesus. The Sermon on the Mount is a roadmap for spirit-filled living. If we apply the Sermon on the Mount to our lives and our life's journey, we will find ourselves walking the kingdom path. But before we look at some of the mile uh, posts in the Sermon on the Mount, and I've got six of them for you, you know, I said uh, to begin with, I had a map that was, was it just covered too much. And so it didn't have the minute detail I needed for these, these paths up in the mountains. But it gave you a good overview of the whole area. If you wanted a good overview of what this kingdom path is, before we get into the mileposts and the the step-by-step, an overview, what is the kingdom path, you'll find that the kingdom path is defined in Matthew 22, verse 37 following. Matthew 22, verse 37. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments, all the law and the prophets lie. So in other words, that's quite an incredible thing. Jesus just gave you a summary of the message of the Old Testament. That when you take the summary message of the Old Testament, it says, love God with all your heart and your neighbor as yourself. In fact, Paul in Galatians says that the whole law is fulfilled in the one word, love, in the statement, love your neighbor as yourself. So when we go back to the big picture of what this path is, then we see that it's loving God and loving your neighbor. Not one without the other, both are connected. So your path, the kingdom path, even when we break it down into daily decisions, life decisions, calling decisions, where you put your... When we get down to actually treading this path, not well tread, before we get to those things, we can see that it's all about loving God and loving your neighbor. So that is the way that Jesus sets us on the kingdom path. But if we go to the Sermon on the Mount... 
which can be found in, in Matthew's version from Sermon uh, uh, Matthew 5 right through to uh, the end of, of 7, we see that, that in this, Jesus is giving the roadmap for Christians, spirit-filled Christians, on how they should carry out their journey on earth. And this path, it's a narrow path as we will see, will take you through every circumstance. It'll take you high up on mountain experiences. It'll take you through valley circumstances. It'll take you through dark woods. It'll take you through vast plains. If we stay on the kingdom path, we are bound not only to experience God's life and God's life abundantly on earth, but we will also be sharing that life in the experience of, of those that are around us. In fact, my favourite R.T. Kendall book, he's written so many and he preaches here every six, for, for a six-month period, he'll be back with us in February, is his book on the Sermon on the Mount. I did a, a series of this too, which you can get on our website. So when we come to the Sermon on the Mount, I have six miles posts. We're not going to go in depth in it, but I want to give you some sort of map to show you, number one, are you on the broad road that is destructive? Or are you on the narrow road that brings life? And if you're on that narrow road, do you even know where that narrow road's going to lead? Have you got a map by your side that you can say, yep, I'm on the narrow road and I'm this far down and I understand the mile posts on this journey. I understand this road. This road, it, it makes sense to me. Because there are many Christians today that are simply wandering around. They don't know what path they're on, what road they're on. They have no idea. They're, they're, they're like me in Germany, not with a, a map that's just too big. It'd be like me in Germany with no map at all. I'd still be there, wandering around, not knowing where I was. I need a map. It's not just enough to have paths that are in front of me. I need to know what that path is and where that path's going. So. I'm going to start with the first kingdom milepost. The first kingdom path that we see in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 of Matthew, the first kingdom path is your character. You see, the kingdom path is not just about going through another day, going through another week, having another birthday, having the celebrations of life and various things happening. The kingdom, of path, the kingdom path is not just a passage of time. The kingdom path is a passage and a maturing of character. That's why we should be able to say, I'm not the person I was two years ago. I'm not the person I was a year ago. I'm not the person I was six months ago or six weeks ago. I am on a character development journey. And whatever's going in the circumstances around me, my character is growing, maturing, is going forward. The kingdom path is your character. We find this here in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 3, what we call the Beatitudes, the B attitudes. Listen to these. Are we on this journey in our character? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the righteousness sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. These are the be attitudes, not the do attitudes, but the be attitudes. These are the kind of attitudes that the Holy Spirit is trying to develop in our heart day by day. How many of you know that God is at work in our hearts? But what kind of work is God doing that we should cooperate with him? If God is trying to produce one thing in our hearts and we're trying to produce another, there's going to be friction. There's going to be crossroads in our journey and we don't know where we're going. Uh, we're going to be resisting some of the things he's trying to develop in our lives, thinking that, that, that this isn't right for us. But the Beatitudes, they're basically Jesus, another way of Jesus speaking about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Holy Spirit can be found in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. There, there are nine fruit, well really there's eight fruit describing the one word, love. And, and these fruit, this is character, this is what the Holy Spirit is trying to do in your life today. And when you journey through circumstances, he's trying to produce in you these types of characteristics. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. The Holy Spirit is working in our lives. It's his main work. Working in our lives. As the circumstance hits you for good or for bad, what is God doing? He's trying to produce the fruit. Those people in your life right now that are annoying you, that are getting on your nerves, that's the circumstance, but the journey is God is wanting to produce patience, endurance, and love. If you don't connect with the path that you're walking in that time, it's going to be a fruitless experience for you. God is at work. The Beatitudes are also another way of talking about 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4 onwards. Love is. Love is kind. Love doesn't boast. These are attributes, not only of God, but of Christians and the journey that we're going to take. Listen, if you aren't aware of the work that God is doing in your heart and what, he, and what fruit he's trying to produce, you're going to have a fruitless life. Because if you're not on or aware of this milepost that the kingdom path is your character, then, then that's a sign. If you're not aware of it, are you even on the kingdom path, the narrow path? Or are you on, as if you're on the narrow, the wide road, and when things come, you just deal with it like any non-Christian. When things come, you deal with it with bitterness, you deal with it with anger, you deal with it with manipulation. Uh, you, 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 you don't deal with it integrity. Why, why? Because you, if you're a Christian, you don't realise what God's doing and you deal with life circumstances like everybody else on the broad path. There's really no difference between you and them except by the name Christian. Do you hear what I'm telling you today? This is important. This is a milepost. I'm asking you, in whatever circumstance you're in, wherever that path is taking you, are you aware that God is trying to produce these types of character in your life? So number one, the kingdom path is your character. Number two, the kingdom path is a journey of the heart. Now you're going to see this right through the Sermon on the Mount. 
that this is a heart journey, a heart travelling. I take you to Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. All of this is in the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 20. For I say to you, that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will in no way enter the kingdom of heaven. In other words, Jesus is saying, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you're not entering or entering the kingdom gate. You're not on the kingdom path. Well, when the disciples heard this, they must have torn their hair out. How on earth could we exceed the righteous living of the Pharisees? They were the leaders of the day. They were the religious instructors and, instructors and teachers of the day. If you looked at them, they looked so wonderful in their, their robes and their religious garb. They tithed on everything, even on the mint. I mean, they led all the services. They were those that you went through with advice. The scribes and the Pharisees, as young boys, they were trained in religious life. How on earth could you exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees? Well, this is one of the main themes of the Sermon on the Mount. The problem with the Pharisees is that they lived their life externally for others to see and they didn't deal with the issues of the heart. Right through the Sermon on the Mount, we seize this. Straight after having said, you need a righteousness that exceeds that of the Pharisees, he goes and speaks about the law. You Pharisees, do you commit murder? No, I've never committed the act of murder. Ah, but in your heart, you're murdering people every day with your undealt with anger. You Pharisees, have you committed the physical act of adultery? Oh, of course not. Ah, but in your heart, you are lusting and desiring. You Pharisees, have you stolen? No, but in your heart, you are thieving. And this theme carries right through. So he says, don't give like the Pharisees give. You know, they, they like, when a Pharisee gives, they, they get one of those big checks you get, you see when someone wins the lottery and they hold it up for everyone to see. It's external. Uh, when they pray, they take the biggest microphone they can get and turn it up to Pentecostal level so that everybody can hear, including the neighbours. And they're doing it so that people can think of them as religious people. But the kingdom path is a journey of the heart. God is at work in our heart. That's the most important thing that he's looking at. We're looking very often at our circumstances. Uh, oh God, can you change this? Oh God, can you change him? Oh God, can you sort her out? Oh God, can you give me a promotion? And we're doing these petitioning and there's nothing wrong with that. We did it earlier. But while our attention is focused on everything that's going on on the outside, God's attention is focused on everything that's going on on the inside in response to what's happening on the outside. He's looking at what's on the inside. Remember that big map, love God and love your neighbour as yourself. That's the journey that we're doing together. So number one, the kingdom path is your character. It's the narrow way. Number two, the kingdom path is a journey of the heart. The heart of the trouble is trouble in the heart. And eventually what's in your heart, even if you're a Pharisee, will display itself. Out of the heart will come good things, 
and good fruit. Out of the heart will come bad things and bad fruit. God's work is primarily from the inside out. That's the kingdom path. Those that are on the broad road couldn't care less what's going on on the inside. They want a result on the outside. It's the reverse with God. Thirdly, the kingdom path is the way of mercy. It's the way of mercy. Matthew chapter 5, verse 38. The kingdom way, the kingdom path is a path of mercy. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist an evil person. But whoever strikes you on your right cheek, turn to him the other as well. And if anyone sues you in a court of law and takes your tunic, let him have your cloak also. And whoever compels you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to him who asks you, and from him who would borrow from you, do not turn away. You have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your father who is in heaven. For he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends the rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same you see, I told you it was a narrow path. I mean, most people, when they hear what I've just read, their mind sort of like seizes up and says, doesn't compute, and thinks there's no way you can live like that. There's no way that you can live in that type of merciful loving of your enemies. It just, okay, it just won't work, Jesus. We're living in the real world here, Lord. And, it, and if you started to act with those types of principles, now remember, the Sermon on the Mount is not a new set of laws. It's the principles behind the illustrations that is the kingdom path for us. If we were to live like this, Lord, we'd just get walked over. We'd become the path upon which people tread to gain what they want to get. Those people on the broad path, they would just trample all over us. That, that's the usual response to such a high level of call to a pathway of love, forgiveness and mercy. But you see, I'm going to show you today that the path of the kingdom is paved in prayer and faith in God. This won't work without God. But with God, it will establish you and bring you victory in all things in the kingdom of God eventually. You see, sometimes we look at the path that we say it's too narrow. Maybe you think I narrowed it too much for you. And you're thinking, I won't be able to stand on that road if that's the core. But the kingdom path is a way of mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. This is so important because often Christians barely give, people, give one another the grace of politeness, let alone mercy. Mercy is when you've got someone, you've got them right where you want them, and, and, and they've done wrong, and you know they've done wrong, and they can't get out of it, you've got them right where you want them, you've got them by the neck, and you begin to squeeze, because you're going you're gonna to judge them. That's not mercy. Mercy is always when you withhold judgment from someone who deserves it. 
thank God Jesus withhold judgment on us who deserve it. The more we realize how merciful God, to, God is to us day by day, I don't know how he puts up with us, quite frankly. If I was God, I would not put up with us. And if you were God, you would not put up with us either. You'd say, I'm out enough for this. But thank God he puts off with us, not just day by day, but week by week, month by month, year by year. You would think he'd be saying, hey, what more do you want from me? I gave you my own son to die for your sins so you would have eternal life. Can I have a little bit more gratitude back from you? A little bit more action? Shouldn't you be serving me all your days? Why you? I, I, I withdraw my offer. Aren't you glad he doesn't do that? Why? Because he's merciful. But as we grow in understanding God's mercy, he wants us also to be merciful to others. That's why God shines the sun on the evil and the righteousness. He's so patient. This is the characteristic of the kingdom path. If you are, are, be, are walking in mercy for others, you will receive mercy from God. And not only that, it's a great milepost that you are on the kingdom path. So the first milepost on the kingdom path is your character. The second is the journey of the heart. The third is the way of mercy. The fourth milepost on your kingdom path to show you you're on the right path and going in the right direction. The, the fourth, the kingdom path is both monitored and provided for by your heavenly father. We see this right through Matthew chapter 6. What do I mean by that? Over on the broad path, which leads to destruction, that broad path, the one thing it doesn't have, it has every type of man-made religion, every philosophy, every moral and political stance, it's broad, it can carry them all. But the one thing it doesn't have is the Father's care, the Father's blessing, the Father's provision. Why? Because nobody on that path cares about God. Even some Christians are on that path. They're not interested in God in their daily life. They're not interested in God partnering them in their journey. They're just doing it themselves with their earthly resources and their earthly mindsets. There, there's no provision there from God. Well, they don't need it. That's what they say. And there's no supervision there by God. But on the kingdom path, God is watching over every step. And God is providing for you. We see this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, don't act like those on the broad highway who are always caring about how much they've got to eat, what they've got to wear, what they're going to make themselves in life. Don't worry about those because on the kingdom path, your father knows what you need already and he will provide for me. Why don't you trust me? The bird is clothed with feathers and fed by the Father in heaven. I thought to myself one day, when I, was, I thought to myself, I wonder how much it would cost me to feed all the birds in Great Britain. And if it's down to me, because I have a little bird seed thing in my garden and I buy a bag for about six pounds and it lasts a few weeks. I thought, how much would it cost me if I fed all the birds, let alone if I had to feather them? Well, God does that. How much more will he look after us? Seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, Concentrate on the kingdom path and all these things will be added to you. He supervises. He provides. What do I mean that he supervises? One of the big things about the Sermon on the Mount is it speaks about a life lived 
under the consciousness that God is watching us. Remember that song, God is watching us, that Christmas song. God is watching us. He really is. And on the kingdom path, he's especially watching us. This means that whatever we we do, however we act or however we respond, we should do so in the Father's presence. I remember one time I I had a difficult meeting with somebody and this person was way out of line and needed to be brought in correction. And, and, And that bit of me that used to walk on the broad highway thought, right, this person's going to get it. I've got every right to, to hit them. I've got every, not hit them, but hit them hard. I felt like doing it. I am going to deal with them. I'm going to confront them. They haven't got a leg to stand on by the time I finish with them. And then I thought, that's not the kingdom path. That's not what I, I've just been reading in the Sermon on the Mount. And anyway, it's not just going to be me and that individual in this meeting. Someone else is going to be see, seated there. My Father in heaven. My Father in heaven's going to be watching me. My Father in heaven is going to be seeing if I take the kingdom path. And so when I had this meeting, the person was seated there, I was seated here, and I put a chair out there that nobody was seated on, and imagined that my Father was supervising me. That meeting, I dealt with all the issues. I explained what would happen if the person continued on this course. There were consequences that would uh, have to be taken. But at the same time, there was kingdom in it. There was mercy in it. There was love in it. And it was like, in my mind, I was thinking, how am I doing, Father? How am I, do- am I walking the kingdom path here? And at the end of it, whatever the result was, at the end of it, I went away with the internal knowledge that I'd walked the kingdom path. And whether that person responded or not, my Father was pleased. That's why when you pray, don't do it in front of everybody like the Pharisees, but do it secretly. Only your Father knows. But that's the kingdom path. That's why when you get your checkbook out, don't get one of those big massive checks and get the Daily Mail to film you. But just put it in the offering. Get the cash. Just do it. Don't make a fuss. Why? Because you're not doing it for the Daily Mail. You're doing it for God. You're doing it for God. This is the motivated and provided. This is the kingdom path. Fifthly, the kingdom path is paved by believing prayer. Paved by believing prayer. When the kingdom path is narrow, the only way you can walk on the kingdom path is if it's paved in prayer and trust. You can't walk any other way. Every step is prayer and trust. Prayer and trust. If I take you back to how to deal with your enemies, love your enemies, Jesus says, take you back to being mercy to people. One of the reasons that we find it difficult to be merciful or or to to give good where evil happens, we we tend to want to hit back, is because we're concerned that our enemies, if we don't fight back in the way they're fighting us, they'll crush us, they'll dominate us, they'll take control. In fact, our path will be dominated now by our enemies. Why? Because we have yielded and become weak and, 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 not, and offered the cheek a second time. You hear what I'm saying? How does that work in the world? Well, it doesn't work, worldliness, but I tell you what, when you pray over your life and over your circumstances and over your enemies, Lord, this enemy that's attacking me, Lord, I pray your will be done 
and your kingdom come. Not the will of my enemy. There's no way on earth the kingdom path means that the enemies will triumph over you. No way. No, you say, Lord, your will be done in heaven on earth. And when you begin to pray that, you begin to get confidence to walk on the kingdom path. Why? Because I prayed about it. I prayed about it. God's in control, not my enemy. God's will be done, not my enemies. Not my will be done, but God's will be done. This is the key. You can't live the kingdom path. You can't walk on it unless you've got confidence from God. And confidence comes come from God comes by lifting your circumstances into his hands and knowing that he's in control and that releases you to walk the kingdom path. One of the most wonderful experiences I've had on the kingdom path was when I'd given everything to God in prayer. And when I got worried again and anxious and tempted to stray off the path back to that Broadway, I prayed myself back on the path. And I trusted God. And I said, well, God, I put this in your hands so I can grow in mercy. I can grow in kindness. I can allow the fruit. And as I've done that, and you've seen God at work, sooner or later, you realize that the world's got nothing on you. You don't have to play by the world's rules. Oh, they want you. Oh, they're, they're calling from that. You don't have to play by the world's rules. You don't have to do unto others before they do it to you. You can, you can turn things around. The kingdom path is totally opposite to the broad highway totally opposite. They don't cross over. They don't even come alongside one another and travel in the same direction for a while. One is broad and destructive to everybody that's on it and everybody that comes across them. And the other is narrow, narrow, walking in the presence of the Father. It is so narrow but it's paved in prayer and trust. It's narrow, but let me tell you something, and this is the final thing. Sixthly, the kingdom path is narrow, but it's fruitful and it's established. It leads to life. Let me just recap before I come to this end. Number one, the mile posts on the kingdom way. Number one, the kingdom path is your character. Number two, the kingdom path is a journey of the heart. Number three, the kingdom path is the way of mercy. Number four, the kingdom path is monitored, watched over, and provided for by your heavenly Father. The kingdom path is paved by believing prayer. This is where you find the Our Father prayer in here, and seek and keep seeking, and God will give you what you've asked him for in his will. And finally, number six, the kingdom path is fruitful and established. We see this at the end. Jesus' conclusion of his sermon, which will be the conclusion of mine. We see these things in, uh, straight after the, 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 uh, the narrow road that leads to life. In verse 15 of Matthew 7, it says, Beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. Do men gather grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a corrupt tree bears evil fruit. A good tree cannot bear evil fruit, but neither can a corrupt tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You see, the summary of this journey is the fruit 
that's coming from the inside. Oh, signs and wonders, miracles, great sermons, uh, great spiritual entertainment, having you laughing in the aisles, what a great sermon that was. But what's going on on the inside? What's going on in the household, in the workplace, in the home place, in the cell place? That's what God's looking at. Gifting can come to anybody in a moment. Gifting is, is, is not what you will be judged on. Heart, your path, your kingdom way. So there's the fruit. What's the fruit? It's the fruit of a continually changed life that's walking on the narrow path of the kingdom. You're not the same you were six years ago. You're not the same you were three years ago. You're radically different than you were a year ago. You're not the same person you were two weeks ago. You may have your problems. You may not go as quickly along the road sometimes. In fact, sometimes you might just sit on the kingdom path for a while. But don't worry. Shake yourself off. Get back up. Get on that kingdom path. God is at work. Change is necessary on the path. That's the fruit that comes. And then finally, you will be established. The world won't have anything in you. The world's techniques you will renounce. You'll learn that God is to be trusted, that going God's way does not destroy you. In fact, it establishes you. Whoever hears these sayings, Jesus ends with, Verse 24 of Matthew 7. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken them to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on a rock. Well, you know, the person that put his house on the sand, do you know what road he was traveling on? You see, this is beautiful. You're going to have to go through some trust issues on the kingdom path. You're going to have to learn to trust God against all earthly reasoning. But if you trust God and put prayer to pave the way, you are going to receive such a transformation that you will find yourself growing immovable by the storms, the winds of circumstance around you. The storms and circumstances are there for you to grow in your journey. The kingdom path will take you through valley experiences. The kingdom path will cause you to climb very high mountains. The kingdom path will twist and it will turn. Sometimes the kingdom path will go so thin that you'll be tiptoeing on it. The kingdom path will take you on an incredible roller coaster journey, but it'll be a journey with God under His supervision and His provision, and you will become less like the world and more like God's kingdom. He's training you for reigning. I'm saying He is training you, He's preparing you for the journey. When this life's journey ends, it's only just begun for you. When this life ends its journey, you will begin a new journey. And I tell you what, what God is preparing you for eternity. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Amen.